Hello and welcome to the Mind Springs podcast with me, Alastair Appleton. I hope you enjoy what you hear, and if you'd like to find out more about us, then visit mind-springs.org. I'm just going to say a little bit about the, um, this Buddhist notion of compassion, and, and that will lead in, hopefully, to the practice of Tonglen, which you should... Uh, meet for the first time, perhaps, um, before lunch, and then we'll continue to explore that over the course of the next few days. (coughs) I think it's worth flagging up right from the beginning that from a Dharma point of view, Dharma being the kind of the Buddhist perspective on things, that um, meditation practice that we're doing here, coming to a course like this, is not really about making yourself comfortable. It's not about necessarily making yourself feel good even. Um, and this, this can feel quite a shock to practitioners because often, particularly in the current climate, meditation is sold as a sort of self-soothing, you know, getting rid of all your negative things and only feeling happy. And that's quite at odds with the, the project of, um, of Buddhist compassion. Because one of the brilliant insights of the Buddha, two and a half thousand years ago, was that actually we can never really be happy if we don't address the fundamental issue of our self, this idea of the self. Because he saw with amazing clarity that actually it's the stories we tell about ourselves and buy into that cause us really to suffer. And that actually all of the things that upset us in life, being saddled with things we don't like, losing things, losing the things we do like, actually come about because we are too, we're too sold on our idea of ourself. And so, consequently, if we go on a course just to make ourselves feel more comfortable, then you can see that there's a problem in that. Because actually, all that's doing is reinforcing um, the comfort, the snugness of the self. There's a lovely phrase by Chogyun Trumpa, who says that if... If our practice is put to the service of self-snugness and self-delight, then it becomes the most dangerous thing on the planet. I particularly love that. Not self-smugness, but self-snugness. He was a master of coming up with these weird little words. Because it's that idea of making everything comfortable for ourselves. So we kind of get rid of all the kind of things that irritate us and we, we only surround ourselves with the things we like and we blank out all the things that might kind of upset our snug self-experience. This, he points out, is the absolute opposite of compassion. If you follow this to its logical conclusion, 
you end up with a completely barricaded experience. Everything you think might be bad for you, you either push away or actively attack. All the things that you think might be good for you, you hang on to with like furious, ferocious tenacity. And everything else you completely blank. So you end up in this almost psychotic state of like anxiety that you're going to lose stuff, aggression to the things that you think are going to disturb you, and dissociation where you're just too afraid to be aware of anything. And sadly, this is the state on different degrees for most of us. We end up that our peer, our, our, the, the, um, the structures of our thinking about ourselves, the stories we tell to, to ourselves, and, that, and the way that we act in the world, just completely reinforce this sort of embattled self. We end up with a sense of, oh, I'm so exhausted and like everybody's against me and like, if only I could get rid of these things or if only if I'd changed job or if only I had better health or if only this or only that. Everything becomes a problem. And so this is why when we look in and we start to meditate and we notice, if we're very mindful, we notice that our self-talk is just this endless, endless sort of talking through the various problems that arise from being in the world. Oh, I should have done that, I should have done this, or I'm too this, or he's too that, or it's not enough this, or I should have been more like this, or I should have done this. It's just this endless, endless arising of problems around defending and looking after this snug self. And this is, this is painful to recognise. Because most of us have got this far in life because our idea of ourself is functional, and functional enough to work. You know, we've got through the you know, warfare of childhood and all the disappointments of infancy and then gone through teenage and we got you know, a job and we may have got married and we've had kids. We've sort of got through everything almost by the skin of our teeth, with this jerry-rigged contraption of a self that's sort of been built up over you know, decades by a decision here and a, like a, oh, a kind of ad hoc you know, strategy there. And, and so over the years, you end up with this Heath Robinson-like contraption. Does anyone know who Heath Robinson is? Mm -hmm. Heath Robinson was this sort of English illustrator from the 1940s and 50s who did these very whimsical um, uh, pictures of people doing simple things like boiling an egg with an unbelievably complicated system of like strings and pulleys and weights and massively unnecessarily complicated um, in, the, in the interest of kind of making things better. And in many ways, our ego, this is what, the, this is what we, talk, we call it, our ego, this kind of, this sort of cognitive sense self, is like a Heath Robinson contraption. 
We've sort of bundled it together. When we were tiny kids, we decided, oh, I need to please mum, so I need to be quiet. Or I only get love when I'm, you know, when I'm shiny and bright, so I need to be shiny and bright. Okay. Or when I was a teenager, I only get you know, to get close to people by having sex with them. Or I only kind of make friends because I you know, take drugs. Well, you know, and, and all of, bit by bit, this Heath Robinson contraption of a self kind of rumbles through life. But then there comes a point where it just doesn't work anymore. There's a sort of crisis where the kind of, that kind of paranoid, increasingly paranoid, anxious, grasping, you know, it becomes better and better at kind of keeping things at bay. And particularly in this modern world where we can sit at home, get an Amazon drone to bring us our dinner, we can like watch everything on YouTube, we can have sex you know, through the internet. You know, increasingly we don't actually have to engage. We can, that Heath Robinson-ness of the self-strategy is kind of totally facilitated by modern society. And what it does is it keeps us totally imprisoned in this illusion of being isolated. Even if we're in the middle of a family with kids running around or busy office, there's this sense of not really being connected. And really it's because we, we've completely lost touch with that part of ourselves that naturally connects the sense, 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 sentient self that we've been talking about. You know, the part that knows how to interact and listen and connect, that knows how to care, be cared for, knows how to be intimate, um, knows how to be part rather than be isolated. And in, in a, it's a sense, this is cultural, it's a terrible outflowing of stupid politicians who say there's no such thing as society, only individuals. But the truth of it is, if you put that politician out into the bush, they'd starve to death, or they'd be eaten by jackals because they don't recognise how interconnected we actually are, how reliant we are on one another, and how we're pre-programmed to actually bond and connect. So this project of, of compassion is actually really about connecting with that natural sentient self that we all have, that's in us all, no matter how kind of fucked up or paranoid or crazy neurotic you are, it's there, it works perfectly. So, so connecting with that and dismantling this bonkers Heath Robinson thing that we've been carrying around, which actually just makes us suffer more and more. Because fundamentally we all want to connect and the whole project of ego is designed, in fact, to prohibit that. And, you know, it's a oh, very complicated thing because in many ways our brain, it's, you know, it's our thinking brain, it's our habits of, of thinking and reacting that build an ego. It's not some abstract thing. It's like, it's what we do. It's, a, it's an action. <clears throat> and the thing about the cortex, the neocortex, is that it really wants everything very simple. So it automates everything. So it's like, 
if, if you see someone who reminds you of your mother, then you hate them. Or if you see someone who reminds you of Mr. Jones, your bullying uh, you know, geography teacher, then you're afraid of them. If you see, you know, and then, so there's all these situations where, oh, you know, this is what happens in this situation. This is what you do in this situation. And when you go outside, you're afraid. Or when you're in a closed space, you're scared. Or when you see uh, you know, strange people you don't know, you kind of shut down. So everything becomes automated in these kind of systems. In this sense, the, the, the conscious mind, that kind of conscious thinking, um, sorry, not the, the subconscious mind, tends towards automation. It wants to, everything to just run in systems, because that's how the body works. It simplifies things. And uh, there's a lovely writer, Jeremy Solms, who says that the ego aspires to zombiedom. The ideal of the ego is that everything just runs without any choices having to be made and everything is as painless and lifeless as possible. So the ego aspires to zombiedom. It just runs and you just, you're not bothered. Nothing's going to bother me, nothing's going to upset me, I'm not going to have any disturbance, everything's going to run, I'm going to be safe, and then I'm going to drop dead. This is the, well, of course, zombies don't die, but... <laughs> this is the, this is the um, if you like, the kind of project of ego. Of course, we don't, we don't notice that, because we think it's, it's keeping us going. But the great thunderbolt, the great kind of like Vadra knife that you know, the Buddha gives us is to cut through that and say, no, that's just not a way to live. You don't want to be a zombie, you want to be alive. You want to be alive and you want to actually feel the joy of being part of this incredible world. Other people, of the rainbow, of the island, of a busy city of suffering, of pain, but also of joy and happiness. You, know, you want to be part of this. This is, this is what we want to be part of. And so this is what the project of compassion is about. It's about cutting through that ego model and opening up to the already existing uh, ability to connect and be in the body and love and share our pain and you know, all the things that mammals, life forms do. Thank you for listening and please do join us again for more podcasts from Mindsprings. You can find out more about us and our work at mind-springs.org. That's mind-springs.org.